0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome to Acme Packing Company's uh, Draft Talk 3.0. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm joined here by Tyler Brooks. Say what's the people, Tyler?
2: I'm alive. Uh, <laughs> I might have sounded a little rough at the end of last week, but, you know, got a little sleep in me and I'm, I'm ready to go. It's draft time, baby. Doesn't sleep. You know
1: what else sounds a little rough? And I want to touch on this before we get into draft talk, just because this is a national story. It's going to be talked about for a long time. Calvin Ridley apparently put down fifteen hundred dollars on three parlay bets. That, including, that included the Atlanta Falcons winning at the end of November. So that would have been the matchup against uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars that the Falcons ended up winning. Calvin had already taken his uh, break that he took for, I think it was just, he, they said it was mental health reasons. Yeah, um, He seemed like he was not happy with his situation uh, in Atlanta for whatever reason. They used the Hard Rock app. Which, uh in, in, in his native Florida, you know, if you go through his likes, he likes a bunch of uh, Miami Hurricanes stuff, a bunch of Miami Dolphins stuff. Kind of seemed like he was trying to get traded to the Miami Dolphins, just kind of like get back home and stuff like that. Well, back in his native Florida, he used the Hard Rock app to bet on these games. The Hard Rock app, that is also the title sponsor of the Miami Dolphins stadium, whose owner, Stephen Ross, <laughs> is in trouble for. Potentially pitch, uh, attempting to pay former head coach Brian Flores to throw football games. There's there's a lot to unpack here.
2: Where's the investigation on that man? Like, I also, don't haven't we heard that there's probably a paper trail on that one? And his defense is, on oh, no, I was just joking. Uh, oh where's the energy God. on that one, man? Like, obviously, this whole situation ain't great, but uh, I want to see the same energy and NFL resources expended on trying to figure out if a, uh, a team owner is trying to throw football games like I don't I ethically what Calvin really did very bad but on another I think this with Ross stuff's on a whole nother level of this is accurate what a I season don't, I don't even think so personally right
1: what I'm talking yeah. about on a personal level ethically I don't even think it was that bad he's putting Agreed. money on his team to yeah. win that's not that big of a deal but it firmly falls under the category of no no you can't do this though like it's okay ethically it's not bad but like you can't do this it's gonna scare people people are not gonna react in a positive way to learning this information and uh just go to any twitter feed any blog any website go see what they're talking about it's not very positive for calvin ridley right now plus he did it with his phone that for some reason was like registered with the league, so they were able to cross-reference. Oh, it. that's
2: so dumb of you, man. Use a he use a, a
1: relative, man. Like use someone else's phone. He used a handle that was literally Calvin underscore Ridley. The people found that on the Seminole uh betting app, which is now taken over the uh hard rock app. Basically, like Florida's since he since he bet on that, Florida's rules and regulations for gambling have changed, which is why like the name the name has changed from, from hard rock to Seminole Um, but yeah, dude that's not good. They've suspended him for a year so far. They basically said, you know, you have a chance to be reinstated in the season. Um you can appeal the suspension for like this 3-day window basically. Um you would guess that he would appeal just because why not? I mean, try it. Um but judging by his Twitter account where he said, you know, I only put down $1500, you know, I'm I'm not a gambling addict or anything and he's basically shrugging stuff off like it's it's not a big deal that's probably not what the nfl wants to hear right like everything that we know about roger goodell is he operates off of vibes more than like precedent very often where if players lie to him about a situation like he's just gonna like hammer them um remorse is a big thing it seems like with him doesn't seem like calvin's being very remorseful and i don't like his chances to even come back After just one season, I mean, it might be longer. It might be just banned in general. I know we've seen situations like uh, Paul Horning, right? Um, That was going to bring that up. Yeah. Did this in the sixties and then was able to come back and won a couple more titles for the Green Bay Packers. A different climate right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So much easier to bet. Right. I I, I don't know where the story goes from here, but. Oh boy. Is it a story and you're going to be hearing about it for a while.
2: Well, I mean, not only is it easier to bet, it's easier for people to track who is betting. I think this is your example. Yes. Like, what is, what is, I mean, Ridley they did it with a the cell phone.
1: Like, yeah. The league caught this from an automated service, basically, is, is yeah, come out. So,
2: I mean, that's kind of incredible. But again, yeah, like, I think that's going to put a lot of players who, you know, have been considering this and you make a little more, uh, timid about it. But yeah, man, it, it's pretty bad. I, uh, I, I kind of feel bad for the guy, mostly because that might be the world's worst bet I've ever heard. Fifteen hundred dollars down to lose eleven million by being suspended. Uh, I would never <sighs> take those odds. That's a <laughs> hell of a bath, dude. That's a hell of a bath. Um, what DraftKings promo was that, I man? I don't want that one.
1: Yeah, that's yeah promo cl- promo code Calvin. That's oh, not. God. That's not good, mind you. This came out. And you were talking about, you know, potentially evidence of paper trail for the Stephen Ross stuff. I think what kind of hurt the Stephen Ross stuff was the fact that Hugh Jackson, as potential like counterintelligence, came out and basically said, you know, hey, I have the same thing uh, for the Browns. And it's actually the person running my uh, charity who has evidence that the Browns were doing that. Mind you, this has all come out since the Art Bryle scandal, Uh, former former head coach Hugh Jackson is now the head coach of Grambling State and HBCU, you know, produced Doug Williams, all those guys. Um, He tried to hire Art Bryles, uh, former Baylor head coach, who was, uh, to put it in the simplest terms, fired and basically blackballed from football for covering up sexual assault on the Baylor campus, Um, has been out of work for, has to be at least six years now. It's been Um, a while, yeah. When he was hired Hugh Jackson's charity, his foundation, the same people that said that he said had a paper trail on Jimmy Haslam throwing games for the Cleveland Browns and and incentivizing losing the head of his foundation said that she basically committed tax fraud by being paid by the foundation and then paying back into the foundation. So that, that certainly doesn't help when like one of your allies who says, you know, Hey, this also happened to me. Then just like, makes a giant mess of himself and just like takes a dump in his pants immediately. Um, the other thing too, again, this is a hell over crossover event day between Hugh Jackson, Stephen Ross, uh, mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley gambling. We also have Dan Snyder has been linked to Deshaun Watson, who was linked to Miami, who's linked to Steven Ross. So now we have this whole web of things where it's like, I, what we just got to like blow in the cartridge, right. And just like restart clear the file today was a weird one.
2: It, you know what, on, on the bright side for Packers fans, at least it was one national story that came out that wasn't about their quarterback. So, you know, takes a little bit of heat off of them. Although that's going to probably be back in the news cycle in what 12 hours.
1: Oh man.
2: Tex was joking. He
1: is like, Rogers is probably mad about this. He's like, wow, you guys aren't paying attention to me. I can't believe a gambling scandal broke out. You know, what we're looking at, like almost at the time that we're recording, 24 hours before the tag deadline, which is when he said that he would make that decision by. So I don't know. I don't know. Also, Jack
2: Doyle retired today, and that just got completely swept under the rug, like immediately. Totally.
1: totally. It didn't even make a blip on the radar. Um, We should talk about uh, a little bit of Packers news. So. You guys might not be familiar with Pro Football Network. It's kind of like an upstart uh, website that has been gaining traction recently. They have a ton of talent that they've been buying recently. So like guys like Trey Wingo, if you're wondering, where is Trey Wingo? He's at Pro Football Network. Aaron Wilson, longtime reporter for the NFL, huge guy on like transactions, like as the, the wire starts to come out, I guess is the way to think about it. So like Schefter obviously is going to get like Odell Beckham Jr. is going X, right? But like Aaron Wilson is getting a lot of these like practice squad signings and stuff like that. Like he is a very good reporter in what he does. He has broken the story for Pro Football Network that the Packers are not only interested in uh, Los Angeles Rams pass rusher Von Miller, but also Los Angeles Chargers pass rusher Uchenna Wusu. He also previously reported the Packers are going to release uh, Zedaria Smith, which I I don't think comes to a surprise as anyone, and that they are trying to extend Preston Smith. Um, What do you think about the group of names that the Packers are interested in? Because my first thought is these are contingency plans for if Preston Smith does not sign an extension with the Packers and they decide to move in a different direction. It's very hard for me to believe that they are going to bring Preston Smith back and also, still be in the market for Von Miller and Uchena and Lusu.
2: Yeah, I, the, the Von Miller one blows my mind. I don't know how, with all of these cap saving moves they're trying to make just to like barely make ends meet. And then there's a potential Devonte extension, there's a potential Jair extension on the horizon. I don't see a Von Miller deal. I think that guy's trying to get paid. You know, this is probably going to be one of his last big contracts. He's about to be a future. He's probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That guy's going to get paid. Now, Wusu is interesting to me. I mean, I'm looking at his cat pit right now from the few, past few years. I mean, it's never exceeded like $1.8 right? Yeah, and, you he,
3: know that- he,
1: was, he was a day two selection from the Chargers. He's kind of – he's interesting because for a while they were in that 4-3 defense um, and then they switched to the 3-4 he kind of has played a little bit more like stack linebacker than you would assume for like a pass rusher. He is a smaller guy. He, he's basically like a speed rusher that they also play as like a Sam or like a will outside linebacker when they get into kind of like nickel looks and stuff like that. So he's not really what they've had before. Where you think of Rashawn Gary is like a designated pass rusher, right? Preston Smith is a big guy who sets the edge and also drops back into coverage. And then Wusu is kind of like, a traditional linebacker almost who is also a speed rusher is kind of the way to think about him
2: would it be kind of like a a more athletic faster Oren burks role is like that where we could envision it I'm i think thinking. he would do a lot of the stuff that
1: like whitney does where he just comes there we go the yeah. for like third down and stuff but and Wusu is gonna get solid money which is why I'd, i i i would love him in a, like a third down role you know get him in those speed packages and stuff i just don't think that they're going to be able to afford all these guys. I mean,
2: yeah, I don't, that's the part I don't get with. I have just come to the fact, you know, when doing all the cap stuff, I've just accepted they're not getting any external free agents. I just don't think that's realistic. So to hear them linked to not one, but two edge rushers just really confuses me. The only way I see that happening is that if we see moves that like, we're not planned for, that are like absolutely massive. Like they cut someone that's a pretty well-established player. Uh, I could see that. Or they trade a Jair or but, a Bakhti. But all, and,
1: the, all the money is already locked in they they've they've pushed forward Bakhtiari's money they push mm-hmm. forward Clark's money they push forward Aaron Jones's money um the only guys left really in terms of guys who aren't gonna be restructured or are on the the bubble already are like Adrian Amos Aaron Rodgers and Jair
2: don't I mean, you dare it. cut amos man that one would hurt that one would suck
1: I, I think amos we were talking about this on the podcast yesterday um Tex and I I think Amos is the one where even if Rogers and Devontae leave you still try to re-up on Amos and oh yeah you try to keep him around because I understand wanting to get off of Preston um Dean Lowry Billy Turner even like guys like that if you are just rebuilding right um especially when you're rebuilding in a cap crunch but Jair and Amos are the two where it's like all right let's let's figure out how to keep these guys around a little bit longer
2: Yeah, he's just an all-around, very reliable player. So that's not one of the guys you just want to let go if Cap's an issue. So, yeah, I'm not buying it. Fortunately, there are a ton of edge rushers in this class to the point where if the Packers drafted two of them, I would not be mad.
1: Yeah, let's take a break real quick here, and then uh, we'll talk about the edge rushers class and actually talk about the NFL draft.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity – V-A-N-29.com.
1: And we're back. All right. So first things first, combine edge rushers. Were there any guys who stood out to you in the interview process or, or for their results?
2: Oh man. I like that question. Uh, I'm I've been like hesitant to say it, uh, but there's one guy I actually did not like on the press conference. And I will, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I did not like Aiden Hutchinson up there, man uh is he too I, try hardy no i just think he comes off as arrogant and i tried to avoid saying that i try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt but when i was listening to that interview kept saying like stuff about me like i'm gonna be better than my dad i'm gonna buy you know this kind of truck it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be sick and just every every answer i was like this i don't like this guy uh, he's gonna be a detroit lion and i'm gonna actively root against him so you know what it seems like it's gonna fit pretty well we'll see if he's a lion or if he's a jaguar um, one thing I've been told is they
1: don't necessarily like Evan Neal as much as people would assume. Um, I guess some of that comes back down to Doug Marone was his positional coach at Alabama, and there's still some ties back to Jacksonville and people respecting him there. So his, his word uh, travels pretty well. Not, not anything necessarily bad about Evan Neal. It just ends up turning into the dumb draft talk of like, th- does he really want it? Well, how is he a, you know leader in the locker room? All that stuff. And it's like, the dude is 21 years old. Like yeah. He's going to figure out more of this stuff as as he ages on in the league.
2: Um, I do have two guys I did like their interviews. Uh, Arnold Ebiketti. He just seems like a pretty interesting guy. Uh, I enjoyed that his first love was soccer. Uh, so that's a guy after my own heart, even though that's not my first love. I've come to love it. Uh, but Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State. I mean, I just walked over there and no one is talking to him. And I'm like, this guy's a top 50 player. How is no one talking to him? So I just go over there and like really kind of goofy guy, like super nice, uh, really prides himself on his motor and his run defense. So I was like, oh, man, yeah, if you're a Packer, I'm going to be pretty psyched about this. Uh, that was a guy that just really stood out to me as far as the edges go. I mean, I, my favorite part about the week was just you heard all kinds of characters. But yeah, Cam Thomas is one. It seems like a good scheme fit for what the Packers are trying to do. And a guy I enjoyed talking to.
1: I haven't seen him yet and he didn't run. So I have very few data points on him. I I do know that I need to watch him. He is currently, I'm looking at the consensus board right now, uh, 62nd overall. So we're talking about, you know, second, third round pick type of guy. Um, Let's work off of my board, just off of guys that I've seen. I think Aiden Hutchinson moved up to number one on my edge board. And the question that I had really was, I didn't think he was going to show up good in the cone. I didn't think he was going to show up good in the shuttle. He did well in both. He torched them. There was a fan cam basically from, you know, one of the fans that was in the stands in Indianapolis taking a video of Hutchinson's third attempt at his three cone and his hips still look tight, but he's just so explosive in a straight line that it like makes up the distance, even though the distance is, you know, 10 yard runs or whatever it is. So I think at this point, Hutchinson, between the production, between the length, the frame, what he was able to do on the field for, for the combine stuff, as long as you aren't going to use him as a 3-4 outside linebacker and you're going to use him as a 4-3 end, I think Hutchinson is going to be the top edge rusher off the board, and I've just accepted it at this point. There's certain things you certainly want a whole lot better from him, but at the end of the day, he's going to end up being like a Trey Hendrickson guy. And if you're signing up for you know taking Trey Hendrickson first or second overall, then it is what it is.
2: I'm a little surprised the Oregon guy finally moved Hutchinson over Thibodeau.
1: I, I don't know if you were able to catch the actual broadcast of when they were running on Saturday, you know, with the volume on. I don't know if you guys were like watching a bar. Or oh, on Sat.
2: If it was on Saturday, I was probably asleep when I got home. King. <laughs> um, they were ripping
1: Thibodeau for not working out after he ran uh, the 40-yard dash and were basically like, I can't believe you don't want to compete here. Mind you the three cones and shuttle times came out after this five defensive ends ran the three cone entirely. Like we, we talked about this on the pod uh, again yesterday with text, but like agents really don't like that. These three cone times and shuttle times are happening so late in the day. And they're just not going to have their guys do it. And this is the new normal. And as long as the NFL wants to keep having guys run in prime time and they're going at 10, 11 o'clock Eastern, they're just not going to do it.
2: I mean, I, I could imagine they saw the wide receiver three cones like that's it. No, nope, absolutely not. None of our other players are doing this because this is a waste of time. Um, they, they keep changing up stuff, man. I think we talked about this in an interview off camera. Like the thing about the combine that was always so good for the data points is that they tried to keep it as consistent as possible. And now it's just it's just a mess, man. You know why are, they're working out at night. They're making everyone get up in the crack of dawn to talk. No one wants to talk in the morning. I've only had one coffee at that point. And why, don't, why don't we reverse this back to the good old days? No one likes it. Um, Kayvon
1: Thibodeau is my second pass rusher uh, out of Oregon. I think he's he's probably the closest guy to Rashawn Gary in this class. Yes. In that, like, he's going to figure it out. He's not necessarily there right now. He's kind of a designated pass rusher, but he is a freak athlete. and And that's just kind of how I see him. I mean, I would be shocked if he falls outside of the top five just off of his talent alone. Um, if Gary got drafted, what, like eighth overall, I, I see that as like the Thibodeau's floor. There's, there's no reason, especially in class without quarterbacks, there's no reason he should be falling further than that.
2: It, it's insane watching him. Cause when, you know, he doesn't have a lot of pass rush moves, but when he does throw one out there with the athleticism, it makes you like kind of your jaw kind of drops i mean i sent you that one against ucla where you know obviously the tackle didn't have the best hand placement or anything on it but it's like a boxer like ducking a ducking a punch he just goes under the hands and does the little ghost technique and gets around the corner you see those flashes man you're like i don't understand how this guy's not number one overall um gary taught me that you know the athleticism is probably more important than refinement for edge rushers at this point. So that's why I still have Thibodeau at number one overall versus Hutchinson. Hutchinson still tested incredibly well, right. um, but I just see the, I see the athleticism and listening to him talk. uh, It's the miles Garrett thing all over again, man. I can't, I can't stand that he doesn't love football. He doesn't love to compete, all this stuff. He was an impressive person to hear speak. You know, he's, he does like attacking football. Like it, he said, described like a game of chess as far as the strategy. And that's definitely what you want from an edge rusher. who's a pass rush specialist.
1: Look, they grilled Kayvon Thibodeau for saying he didn't value an Alabama education. That's why he didn't (laughs) go to Bama since then. We have had Alabama's Calvin Ridley get in trouble in a gambling scandal when he is away from the team. Oh no! And we've had uh, Alabama defensive tackle Jonathan Allen have his pick three of who who he wants to have dinner with, and he chose Hitler as one of the three. It's not been a great run for Alabama since Cam Thibodeau <laughs> said this.
2: He should have just brought his phone. I guess the Ridley was had broke it. We should have brought his phone up with a Jonathan Allen tweet. It's like that's what I was talking about, man. That's what I was trying See? to tell you. Look,
1: dude. Don't kill the Oregon grad. I'm telling you. Um, third on my list and your list, George Karloft is from Purdue. He's a guy, a lot of people are going to end up comparing him to um, space and I don't remember his name, the pass rusher from Washington who came out of Purdue a couple of years ago. Kerrigan. Um, Kerrigan. I, I think he's a little thicker than that though. Like mm-hmm. and he's a little longer. He had a real explosive uh, uh, vertical jump. He didn't do many of the other drills other than that. Um So he's a guy who we're going to be interested in seeing like what his three cone time is at his pro day. But as of now, Karloftis is my third. And I think that it wouldn't be surprising if he was the best pass rusher in this class. Like he has that type of talent. It's still surprising to me that like nationally, he isn't getting that type of recognition where you see him consistently fall to like 26th overall, where like the Tennessee Titans are picking and stuff like that to me He's a guy who easily goes in the top half of the first round. And I wonder if that's a media thing where, you know, maybe next month when you start hearing like, oh, George Karloftis is a riser when he had like 10 sacks as a true freshman at Purdue. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
2: He, oh, the consensus is that he's sliding and I'm, I'm pretty floored by that, but um because there's a huge debate about whether or not he's athletic and i think his athleticism he's very athletic yes
1: it's all relative to size though yes people forget like he's what he showed up at like 270
2: yeah his his combine measurements were hold on uh almost six four six oh three and six eights and 266 like that's a big boy and he can move yeah he he's got functional strength and athleticism and there's just a lot i like about him and he's a guy that you can plug in multiple spots it's going to hold his own versus the run and the pass like and you can coach him on the finer details but he's got all of that and again it's edge man like i I, you don't have to think too much about the technicalities you can coach those You get your athletes that are big boys and put them out there it really is that simple um there's the a, for the record, there's a lot of positions that are much more technical. But, yeah, edge. It's just, yeah, get the athletes, let them go. Uh, I mean, we see that all the time.
1: Trayvon Walker from Georgia, one of the bigger risers, I would say, out of the combine. He checked all the boxes that we had. We talked about him as, you know, he played a lot of four-eye at Georgia, which didn't necessarily help him, but he did have some edge reps. His whole thing is, like, he's not developed as a pass rusher in terms of his moves. But that's not what Georgia was asking for him. So I'm not willing to like dock him that much for it. When you watch him go through the drills, even beyond the times, right? And and the times were nuts. He ran like a four-five, uh 40. He ran a sub-7-three cone, which is like if you do that, you're you're like Pro Bowl caliber athleticism at edge, which is probably the most physically demanding position in terms of like what the drills correlate to to success when you watch him go through like the actual drills where he's dropping back, like a linebacker, he moves like a safety dude. Yeah. And that's, that's freaky. Like if you get Trayvon Walker in the Preston Smith role, he is going to be so damn
2: good, dude. I've been saying it for so long, man. I feel so vindicated on the athleticism stuff. I mean, he did every single, uh, drill besides the bench press which obviously almost no one did Uh, his RAS is 9.98 currently which is just out of this world athletic and then you factor in he has 35 and a half inch arms like are you freaking kidding me Um, he's gonna go top 10 at this point I think people are absolutely stunned by the athleticism so like bright side for me I feel very vindicated in my you know stance on Trayvon Walker bad news, there's probably a 0% chance he's going to be there for Green Bay, unless they get the number nine overall pick in some you know, theoretical trade.
1: And those are really the top guys to me. Those are the yeah. only guys I've seen that I'm like, this is for sure a first-round pick. Um, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Karloftis, Walker. I think the only one with a shot to make it to Green Bay at 28 is Karloftis. Even then, that's a little bit of a stretch, I would think, just based off of his talent. But we've seen weird stuff happened before where the perfect guy just ends up dropping the green Bay. Like Kenny Clark was an example of that where it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe you let us take this guy. So if that's Carl I'm more than happy turning that pick in. The next guys on my list. How how do you say the Penn state's guys last name? I I'm I'm still Uh, not sure. And you, you did it right. So.
2: I think it's Arnold Ebiketti. 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 It's one of those. He is a temple
1: transfer who basically grad transferred into Penn state did really well this past year. He was actually a guy stood out to me when I was watching Ohio state um, against them. When I was watching uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, when we were watching the wide receivers and stuff. And I was like, who's this 17 from Penn state? He is flying off of the screen pretty consistently. Um, That also gave me a heads up that like, Oh, Ohio state's tackles got their ass beat by Hutchinson and Epichetti and carloftis okay these guys just are frankly just not not good at football okay i understand now um but he is twitched up he is not the bendiest but he has enough bend he is a guy that he did he did well in the drills that he tested in he did not run the three cone i wouldn't be surprised if he ran sub seven which is very which would again be a very good number he's probably my fifth guy like i actually like really like this guy and i think he can kind of play right now. And compared to some of the other athletes, like Ojabo, like I, I think Ebiketti is way more developed than Ojabo at this point.
2: I, I very strongly agree on that one as far as just mm-hmm. Ebiketti. Uh, he is explosive off the snap. He is tenacious. I love the motor from this kid. Like he, he likes to hit guys, and he does it with tenacity. I think easily his best move, though, because he's so fast and tries to beat guys on the outside. When he does that quick inside move, I saw so many tackles just get completely burnt on it. And I think that's something that's super effective with him. Uh, He's a fun one, man. Uh, He may not project with like the highest ceiling, which is obviously like a cliche phrase, Uh, but he's a fun one. Like, and I agree. I think he can come in there. Ducing right away, especially against the pass.
1: Yeah. I, I really like him. I would, he would be a guy that I would start thinking about at 28, depending on what, what the Packers or yeah, what the Packers pass rushing situation is like? Did you have to release Preston? Is do you have anyone on on the roster who can start seventeen games opposite of Rashawn Gary? That's when the conversation for Abiketey starts. I think
2: um, I'd be pr- I'd be pretty happy with it, man. And um, it just shoot, I completely forgot what I was gonna say. Uh, I'm still recovering, <laughs> man. I'm gonna be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> that brain mush. Oh, um, it's it's mushed. I, I, there's probably like a, whatever the level below mushed is. That's where it's at.
1: <laughs> um, Boye Mae, is that how you say his name?
2: I think it's Boye Mafe. I may Mafé. be wrong. I, I I
1: wrote it wrong on it's on a my
2: sheet. it's a fun name to say though.
1: So he his story. He's already twenty four, right? Or he's going to be twenty four very soon. Um, hasn't played a lot of football. Took a year off while he was in college. There's a lot of things going on with that in terms of like the age projection, right? In terms of raw ability, he is kind of like a raw version of Rashawn Gary. If he was also lighter, that's I guess is kind of the way to think Mm -hmm. about him. He's kind of that designated pass rusher type of guy. The one big worry with him, right? He's athletic. He can, he can run like the wind. He certainly has the potential. He has bend. He doesn't really know how to be a complete designated pass rusher right now. So maybe he needs a year or two to develop like Rashawn Gary, right? Here's the problem. He's already going on, you know, 24, 25. So yep. like, how how much longer are you going to wait for this guy? Like, he's going to be a one contract player, you know, if you think about it from that perspective. Like, by the time he's up for his second contract, it will be when players of his age are already on their third deals, right? Yeah. So that's that's the one where it's like, all right, break glass in case of emergency and like, a trade back from the first round type of scenario. I think
2: he's fun though, man. Like that's the problem. Is like, he's fun to watch. He, he he's got the bend. He's got explosiveness. He just doesn't have the play strength and they did never, almost never asked him to play against the run. So that that's a really hard evaluation. And you know, the way I evaluate these guys, if you can't play run and pass and you're just a third down specialist um, and that's probably what you're going to be it's hard to justify a day one pick on those guys. Like they have their roles, but I just can't see it. Uh, You know, I wouldn't mind it if they go day two, day three, um, especially if he's in day three, my goodness. But uh, yeah, I don't see it early on.
1: My next guy, David Ojabo, Michigan. I am a lot lower than most people on him. I saw the consensus draft board. He's like ninth on it right now. There is absolutely no way I spent a pick that high on him. He reminds me a lot of Chaseon from LSU. Mm, he's okay. a guy like you, you think he's a pass rusher, but he doesn't walk like a pass rusher. He doesn't talk like a pass rusher. Like there's, there's, he's a straight line speed guy. And he showed that at the combine, but everything else I'm very worried about. He basically had one year of production at Michigan, was not even a full-time starter at Michigan. They pulled him consistently as a three, four outside linebacker um he basically only played like their nickel looks and when they were in a three four base looks they would play a 225 pound true freshman on the edge instead of him i'm real worried about this dude like he is the one where i'm like this this is the one that feels like fool's gold like this is the
2: one Every, everyone's projecting the upside on him right like he's only been playing football for five years like he's got right. a very interesting backstory uh you know Tex was asking about scotland you know, after the presser, he went over, he's like, I got to go talk to a job about places. Cause he's, you know, obviously Texas getting married in Scotland, trying to look for venues. So Java <laughs> was giving him some places, which I enjoyed. Um, he, he's toolsy. Uh, he's, he's pretty young. And you just, he's the, he's the ball of clay that you feel like you can mold. So, you know, you can see the athleticism it jumps off tape and he's got nice size and length. I agree with you. I I'd still put him high just because of the tools. Um, but I do not trust that man against the run either.
1: No, not at all. And again, I'm, I'm not anti-tools. I, I like a lot of these, like Trayvon Walker is the tools guy. He's pretty high on my list. Kayvon Thibodeau. He's pretty high on my list. Um, the last guy I've seen Jermaine Johnson, Florida state, you like him a little bit more than I do, mm-hmm. but he's a good run defender. He's going to be probably as good as he's ever going to be coming into, you know, into the draft class, like immediately he could play right now. i You're asking me, day one, who would you rather have, Ojabo or Johnson? I'm taking Johnson, day one. It's just I assume Ojabo is going to get better at some point. He transferred out of Georgia. So Mm -hmm. think about, like, if Georgia could have added just another athlete on that front, you know, outside of the three linebackers that they're going to get drafted. Jordan Davis, Wyatt, the uh, defensive tackle who's going back to Georgia, who's probably the best out of all three of the, the interior guys, and then Trayvon Walker. Like they, they were just spoiled up front with how much talent they had.
2: Getting to see that Georgia defense in person was absolutely ridiculous, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm higher on Jermaine Johnson for sure. I think there is a lot of value as an edge center, a lot, like as well as the explosiveness as a pass rusher, like he does a great job getting extended and keeping his chest clean and finding that, you know, outside containment and getting run runners down. Uh, and yeah, he just flies into the backfield, man. Uh, I liked his presser. He seemed pretty confident. Maybe teetered on like on the best and arrogance but I appreciate confidence especially in an edge rusher I think he's got a good build for it and I think he can potentially play d end as well um he he's one of the ones that's an interesting watch I think he shined in the senior bowl as well um it is just crazy I think all of these guys I know you have a lot of these guys as day two picks any uh, these even these day two guys have first round potential And I just think that's absolutely crazy that we're talking about. Is this the eighth guy we're talking about? And all of these guys are just, you know, stupid upside, which we have not seen in an edge class in a minute.
1: I saw people were saying Johnson might go first half of the first round. after Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. I mean, that means some of this talent is going to end up dropping. The guys that, again, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Karloftis, Walker, I think those guys are first round locks. And then I personally would start thinking about uh, Evachetti and Mafé you know, in the first round, I, w- I would wait on Ojabo and Johnson. I just think there's talent elsewhere in the class um, to be able to pull the trigger there. Like just whatever you need. I'm I'm sure there's whatever position there is, like there's going to be more talent on the board, I think, but I get it. I mean, I get it. Um, before we go into some of your guys, we should talk about Majai Sanders, um, the Cincinnati product. He showed up, I believe at 222 pounds at the combine. Um, the big worry for him is like, Hey, why did you show up, you know, 20 pounds lighter than you did at the senior bowl? That's very weird. It came out that he was sick, um, which, okay, uh, that is important to know. And you push through that and all that stuff. And maybe you shouldn't have done that. But secondly, hey, man, there's an active pandemic going on. Should, should you be showing up <laughs> to the combine and running sick? Like, I, I don't know about that.
2: I'm gonna save that for the pro day, man. Yeah. Um, the problem is with him though is like even when he's not sick, he is still significantly lighter than a lot of these edge guys. Uh, his Alabama tape though was quite impressive, uh, especially for a guy that undersized playing against you know <laughs> pro NFL tackles. Um, he's a weird evaluation man. Like I, I don't trust you know, especially cause we keep talking it from the Packers frame of mind. If Preston's gone, you need someone to fill that role. I don't sure. think he's one of those guys. Um, but he's a fun player. Uh, Cincinnati produced, it was wild looking through all the presses. They produced so many NFL players this year. And that yeah. program has really turned things around.
1: Yeah. Fickle, fickle's got to figure it out. And it's one of the reasons why he's just posted there. Right. He's yeah. Like, yep. I'm, I'm good here until Ohio state opens up and then I'll take the Ohio <laughs> state job. Yeah. Um, Outside of the eight that we talked about, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Karloftis, Walker, Evachetti, Mafé, Ojabo, and Johnson, who are the guys in this class that you like? Because those are the guys that I've seen.
2: I like J.J. Anagbari. Uh Sorry, his name's Kingsley Igbari, but he goes by J.J., which I find is very confusing. That's like T.Y. Hilton, and he's Eugene. So that one's going to be stuck in my brain. Um, You know, he's an athletic guy. He's already got a handful of pass rush moves. I like his play strength. He also has 35-inch arms, so he's definitely one of those guys you can see as an edge setter with the extension. Um, There's some things that aren't great. Like, he didn't have a ton of production, it felt like, um, but I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, Let me look through here. Oh, the other guy as far as edge setter that I really like is Josh Pascal out of Kentucky. Um, I've heard
1: a lot of good things about him and a ton of people have hit me up recently and said, Hey, cross-check this guy, because I, because I really like him and I want to make sure I'm not just being a dummy. I still haven't gotten around to see him. So he's going to be one of the guys on my list that I'm going to, you know, go through and make sure I have grade on him.
2: I don't think I have it written down as measurables from the combine because again, yeah, mush brain trying to write these down after the fact, but he was listed at six three two seventy eight. 78. Uh, he's an edge setter That's just like, he, I'm impressed by how quick he fires off the snap. Sometimes it's not all the time. I think he can get gassed at times. Um, but he wins a lot with strength extension and leverage, which you'd love to see from a guy of that size. Um, with the quickness and explosiveness, you can see some pass rush potential as well, but I think he is a, you know, a potential fight. I think he can play five tech if he gets a little bigger, but the problem is, is he one of those tweeners as far as his frame, you know, where exactly they do want to put him but man there are some times where he just stonewalls blockers and you get i'm very interested in seeing how he projects to the next level
1: the one thing i worry about him is so green bay historically has only looked at like elite caliber edge rushers you know even in the first five rounds of the draft i think i looked it up their ras the average of the ras is nine something right so Mm -hmm. like their average is a top 10 percent athlete And the South Carolina product, get because I'm not going to attempt to say his name, didn't test particularly (laughs) well at the Combine. And and that was one of probably the only red flag guy, you know, in terms of top two round draft picks at either linebacker, the edge or defensive line.
2: Yeah. Um, I only have one other guy that I truly like, and it's because I need to go back and watch him. I can't speak too much on him. Amari Barno out of Virginia Tech. Uh, this was another oh, what like. What the hell was that? Yeah, uh, again, the problem is he's undersized. He's six four two, almost two forty, um, but he's got the length. And what was his forty time? It was something outrageous. It was like a
1: four four two. It was originally reported as like a four three something.
2: Four three six. I think was the official time. Oh That's outrageous. Um, That's not normal. He
1: did have weirdly. He had like one of the worst uh, agility drills uh, among edge rushers, which is like. Okay, so you're like really slow turner, but like really fast at a straight. I, I, again, I haven't seen him yeah. at all. I got to watch the film on that dude, but I have a I day three
2: grade talking. on him and I've only watched a couple of games because Virginia Tech, believe it or not, Virginia Tech's defense had some players. So that's a guy I need to go back and uh, re watch just because I saw the explosiveness on tape, but I didn't see a whole lot else. So I'm very curious to see if there's something I might have missed.
1: Where do you want to go with this next group? Do you want to watch linebackers?
2: Bro, I always talk about linebackers is my toughest eval. Um, I've even – Charles McDonald, thank goodness, gave me a book uh, a couple years ago to watch Lou Tepper – read, not watch. Lou Tepper, yeah. Yeah, Lou Tepper's book. That was fantastic. So, yeah, I could talk linebackers if you want, man. Um, There's a couple guys I could see the Packers looking at in the later rounds. Um, I also want to look at D-line at some point just because there's a few guys I really like.
1: The uh, Lou Tepper book that you were talking about is complete linebacking. Lou Tepper, mind you, was the positional coach for um, Buffalo when Khalil Mack was there. He was also the D.C. And then he was at Illinois when uh, I'm trying to find their names. They had a ton of guys at Illinois at that time. Uh, the, the, Simeon Rice, guys like that. Uh, Kevin Hardy, all, the, all those guys were ended up coached by Lou Tepper. Um, great book, great resource. Very much a, approve of anyone reading that, you know, if they, if they get the chance.
2: I get Let's, old school. I get old school football brand though, watching it because I get really mad at guys like Devin Lloyd who don't stack blockers and launch with their hips. I'm like, you got to do that, man. He's
1: Lloyd a was a weird one, man. <laughs> Lloyd had one of the worst forty times, you know, at, at the combine for a for a stack yeah. linebacker, and that was a guy that we talked about as, you know, he's going to go super high, and it's because of his athleticism, and it's because he's a former safety, and then everyone looked like former safeties. So yeah. does he stand? Is he rare now? Does he still stand yeah. out like? I think there's questions to be answered about that.
2: I would love to talk about linebackers next, though, because there's a few guys I really like. I need to watch. I can't believe there's three Georgia linebackers I need to watch. I've only watched and paid Dude, attention and to two all, of
1: them. They're all good, man. <laughs> they're all good. Um, what, uh, I'm spacing on his name. The third linebacker out of all of them. like Kendall. Kill, yeah. Kill, killer special teams player. Hey, yeah. Like, we'll, we'll be like a Pro Bowl special teamer as long as he plays special teams in the NFL. Yeah. But I think he's just going to get a look on defense, you know, real early on, which is crazy because he was basically a backup at Georgia and he's going to be a starter in the NFL. I mean, that's the same thing with Jermaine Johnson. We were just talking about, you know, edge rushers, the guy from Florida state, he transferred out of Georgia, ends up getting playing time. Um, Jamison Williams, another one, like he would have ridden, ridden, the bench at Ohio state. And now he might be the top wide receiver drafted in this class. Like it's crazy. It's crazy how deep the actual top programs. Is. I guess let's talk about this a little bit because this, this matters from a draft perspective. People think they've been conditioned to think about like market share and things like that. And, and that's a very good evaluation tool, like in a vacuum, right? So like market share for a wide receiver. If, if you have an NFL wide receiver at the college level, you should be feeding a guy like that, right? Where it gets tricky is when you go into these like super recruiter programs, right? Like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, I think we're seeing the tail end of it at Clemson, but that's Mm -hmm. basically it. Maybe Oklahoma, if you're looking strictly at the offensive side of the ball, right? These programs are recruiting at such a good job on a national level because one, they have a boosted uh, analyst staff that they basically just, hey, you got fired as a head coach at blank. Come hang out here and you're just grinding film. You get your, you know, you're collecting your payment your, your severance basically from your original job, but if you come here and work, we'll still give your family health insurance, right? And th- that's the way that they do it, so that they're not just like sitting on their butts, not doing anything, and yeah. just waiting, waiting for their contract to end and, and finding the next job. It's what Gary Patterson, you know, former TCU head coach, is doing right now at the University of Texas. We saw Steve Sarkeesian, who's now the head coach at Texas, uh, do that for uh, the University of Alabama for a while, right? when. Uh, Lane Kiffin was removed from offensive coordinator Steve Sarkisian for a national championship game, came out of the booth and was just like, yep, I'm an on-field coach now. They have rosters of guys like this that are just grinding film for them. That is happening in conjunction conjun- with national recruiting being more prevalent because everyone has huddle films that, that are online and can be instantly accessed, right? So Ohio State, when you look at them and you're like, wait, where is that quarterback from? And it's the Inland Empire right? In California. Where's Chris Olave from? San Diego. Where's Young, the the quarterback from Alabama, who just won a Heisman from? Los Angeles, right? All of this is happening at a national level to the point where, you know, in like NCAA 14, where you used to just like be able to like, basically, like you win a national title, and then you could just basically sign like every good recruit, like there's just no resistance at all. That's really what's happening at these programs, like Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama. Oh, you're Oklahoma guaranteed under- to play in the
2: playoff? Yeah, I'll just go over there. Yeah. There's only five or six teams that play in the playoff every year. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, like, we have to start thinking about, like, playing time for these bigger programs completely different than how you would look at it for the rest of the country.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Channing Tindall is exhibit A of this. I mean, yeah, the guy barely played when he did. You're like, that, that guy's a backup? He just yeah. flies to the ball. How is this possible? And uh, you're absolutely right on this. It's it's weird to think about. I mean, Justin Ross was barely seeing playing time as a freshman, right? And he was still standing out.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not – again, Jamison Williams would have been the fourth wide receiver at Ohio State. Unreal. And he's he might be like a top ten pick in this draft class after a season. Like, it's a weird world that we're living in. And, again, I know, I know everyone wants to say – and then now we're going on a tangent talking about college football. I promise this will end soon. But um, <laughs> everyone wants to say expand the playoff. That does not fix recruiting. The fundamental problem in terms of the talent disparity in college is recruiting.
2: And I don't think do NIL is helping either.
1: Well, certainly not. I mean, no. honestly, it might help a little bit more. Like, yeah. look at what Miami's able to do right now, right? They have an invigorate. Uh, they, they've been shot in the arm right? Oh, they got Jason program.
2: Taylor coaching. Who's the, they got a couple of, Oh, isn't Ed Reed a coach now? Like I have got, no idea, but
1: like they're, they're able to hook up all these NIL deals and like yeah. kind of revive a, a dying program because the money can go directly to the kids in a legal way, instead of just like propping up like the infrastructure around it. Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't think any of this gets solved with, ball state getting blown out by Georgia in the first round of the playoff at
2: why'd you pick ball state, state man? Why'd you I call call out I Muncie Indiana, man? I don't appreciate that. Oh, pick I picked got I got boys state. that go into ball state man. They grinded <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a perfectly fine. What's it? uh David Letterman,
2: ball state grad. Uh, Freddie Gibbs
1: played receiver at ball state.
2: Yeah, that's right. And that, that's a good one. We can hang our hat on uh, Freddie Gibbs. I did not go to ball state, but man, I had a bunch of buddies that went there. How dare you justice. I'm
1: sure it's a good time. I just don't think that look, your buddies could play the university of Georgia. I'm taking Georgia by 80. I'll put a nice Calvin Ridley on it.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. A nice Calvin Ridley. There we go.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm not a gambling
1: addict. It was just uh, $1,500. Um, anything else to know
2: before we close this out? um Connor Rogers said it best if you need or if you don't need an edge take one this year if you need one take two yeah I mean this is the draft class we talked about eight guys in detail that are all potential day one picks and there's like 20 other guys that even I haven't watched it's insane that's
1: why when people ask and they're like who are the Packers taking at receiver at 28 and I'm like this look I've been around for enough Packers drafts they're taking a defensive lineman or an edge rusher in the first. They're going and to I take will be happy this time. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Take care. Stick to the feed. Um, this is coming out on Tuesday. There's a decent chance that on Tuesday we have to have an emergency pod in some way, form, or fashion because Aaron Rodgers said he's either coming back or wants to play for the Denver Broncos on the uh, Pat McAfee show. So stay tuned.